0: Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Sheila gunn Reid and Drea Humphrey. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News+. Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV style shows too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. So just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member, And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support the rebel without having to spend a dime. And now enjoy this free audio only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, another month, another scandal involving the Justin Trudeau Liberals. This time it is the grotesque conflict of interest inherent to the WE charity. And the question arises as more dirt on me to WE emerges on a daily basis... Is Justin going to get yet another free pass? Sheila Gunn-Reed will weigh in on this latest whopper. And meet our newest rebel, Drea Humphrey. On the streets of Vancouver, she recently had a fascinating interview with an American individual who is perhaps the Democratic Party's worst nightmare. He's black, yet he questions the narrative of the mainstream media and horror of horrors supports President Donald Trump. I think Joe Biden is in the fetal position right now. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding our video about Nora Loretto. Yes, that Nora Loretto, the odious individual who said that the outpouring of grief by Canadians over the Humboldt-Broncos tragedy was fueled by the fact that the majority of the victims were young, male, and white. (laughs) Well, guess what, folks? This sexist, ageist, racist has been hired by the Public Servants Alliance of Canada to give seminars to the white members of the rank and file regarding racism? Oh yeah, your tax dollars hard at work yet again. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up.
1: Justin Trudeau in a lie about the recently cancelled nearly $1 billion program to hand out taxpayer cash to students in exchange for volunteer work, which actually isn't volunteer work then. Trudeau said the contract would not enrich the Trudeau-linked charity run by the Kielberger Brothers, which was granted the sole source contract to administer it. Trudeau said, We charity won't make a profit, but will be paid to administer the program. Now, is that true? Well, Trudeau said it, so no. As we all know, We has paid Trudeau's family for speaking gigs. Canada Land broke the original story of the payments to the Trudeau family through the Me to We program, paying Justin Trudeau's mother, Margaret, and brother to appear at speaking events. Now, look at this in global news. WE Charity confirmed that Trudeau's mother, Margaret Trudeau, had been paid $312,000 for speaking at 28 WE events between 2016 and 2020 through a speaker's bureau. Trudeau's brother, Alexander Trudeau was paid $40,000 for eight events in the 2017-2018 academic year through the same speaker's agency, which took a 20% commission in both Trudeau's cases, according to WE Charity. The Prime Minister's wife, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, was also once paid in 2012 by the charity and she currently hosts a podcast on well-being for WE, which she isn't compensated for, according to the charity. And the charity has other links to other high-profile Liberals. For example, Finance Minister Bill Morneau's two daughters are linked to the charity, and at least one has been on the WE payroll. And we now know how much the Liberal donating Kielberger organization stood to make out of all of this, off the backs of Canadian taxpayers. $20 million. Look at this. Blacklocks has the story today behind their paywall. The amount in the contract to WE was about Trudeau told reporters. Cabinet on June 25th hired We Charity of Toronto to manage grants for the post-secondary students. No other charity was invited to bid. Neither the Prime Minister nor Morneau questioned the $20 million payment or absented themselves from a Cabinet vote on the contract. I made a mistake in not recusing myself immediately from the discussions given our family's history, Trudeau said yesterday. I am sincerely sorry about not having done that. Oh, sounds like another learning opportunity for the rest of us.
0: Wow, talk about the Bombardier of Canadian charities. If you have liberal connections, it would seem there's plenty of payola coming your way via the Me To We charity. But if you're on the outside looking in, there is no moolah when it comes to We To Thee, as in Thee, the taxpayer. Oh, on the contrary, this racket was actually enriched with $20 million in taxpayer cash via a sole-sourced contract. Absolutely shameful. And joining me now with the latest Trudeau scandal is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend.
1: Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: It is always such a pleasure. Sheila, have we seen this movie before? You know, Trudeau gets caught doing something inappropriate. He then offers a supposedly heartfelt apology, all the while noting this is a learning moment for the rest of us. And then everyone from members of the media party to the majority of the Canadian electorate forgives him. Question, is Trudeau once again going to dodge the bullet with this scandal?
1: David get over it he apologized already <laughs> just move on of course he's gonna <laughs> dodge the bullet of course i mean he he has the entire mainstream media completely bought off right they uh, rely on justin trudeau to keep the doors open to keep everybody employed and um you know he took care of the fact that uh scandals he knew scandals would come out i mean it, with all the hanky stuff he's pulled for years and years, he had to know that some of it was going to come out eventually. This is just a really big one. So he took care of all of that when he gave the media a $650 million bailout. And since the coronavirus pandemic, he's been throwing more money their way with other tax measures and subsidies to keep newsrooms open, newsrooms that aren't actually doing news anymore, uh most of them have cut local news and blamed it on the coronavirus while taking the coronavirus bailout um so yeah no he he's totally going to skate on this he skated on blackface he skated on groping rose night he skated on the SNC-Lavalin scandal um he skated on the Aga Khan and he skated when he fired uh, Canada's first indigenous attorney general um so yeah i mean this is just w- going to be another one of those scandals that quickly goes away um, when it should be investigated by the police.
0: Well, you listed five. uh, We would be remiss if we didn't mention he skated on the cultural appropriation, which was his trip to India, (laughs) (laughs) doing the whole Bollywood thing. But who's keeping score? Uh, Sheila, the thing, though, that is so egregious about this it's the conflict of interest element and the fact that it's Trudeau friends and family and cronies that are enriching themselves via charity. Yeah. It's not just Justin Trudeau. It's his mama, uh, Margaret of a surname I can't remember, and his brother. And then you've got Bill Marno, a multimillionaire. Uh, his daughters are involved with this. And, you, you know, I, I just think that... There are so many good charities out there, and when a Canadian, especially right now, when a lot of people are down on their luck thanks to this hideous Wuhan virus, when you're asked to donate, you'd like to think the money is going to, say, a third world project or the advancement of somebody who's impoverished, and then you learn it's going to Margaret Trudeau? I mean, this surely should strike a chord amongst everyday Canadians, shouldn't it?
1: Yeah, this is just rich people using the government money to continue to enrich themselves. Um, Like I said to you in in one of our live streams this week, when they were trying to convince us that kids were excited to listen to a speech from Margaret Sinclair Trudeau, Kemper Sinclair Trudeau, that's... (laughs) That's when we should have known it was a scam, because no kid wants to hear from her. There's nothing even remotely interesting to a tween or a teen about her. They already have grandmas. They don't need to listen to Justin Trudeau's mom. The idea that kids would be energized or motivated by listening to her, that in and of itself is a ridiculous excuse to be paying that woman nearly $300,000 to speak to kids, and We've done more investigations now. We know there are other monies that have always been trickling into WE from the government through these sole source contracts for smaller amounts, but it's on its way into WE all the time. And so, and Kian has actually done an investigation to show that WE was a regular liberal donor, the the Kielbergers were. So, I mean, is this just a... Uh, I don't want to use the word money laundering, but it sure seems to look that way when money is flowing from the government back to Justin Trudeau's family through we and, um, you know, and the, the Kielburgers are also donating to the Liberals. It sure looks like it doesn't pass the smell test.
0: And Sheila, we surely don't know the full extent of this scandal in terms of the the numbers, do we? I mean, just yesterday, the Toronto Sun revealed $47 million in uh, real estate assets by the WE Charity in downtown Toronto. And, you know, here's the other thing. You mentioned the Kielberger brothers. Uh, We do know there's this cultish vibe about them. We do know they're extremely litigious, but isn't it funny how they have just disappeared off the map? Why aren't they getting ahead of this story by having a press conference, making a statement, or I guess, is there just no way to uh, sugarcoat this scandal?
1: Well, I think they think they are getting ahead of it. Um, They earlier this week announced that they're canceling all of these We Day celebrations, these celebrations, I guess. I mean, they look celebratory, but so do Scientology videos Um, (laughs) where, where Margaret Trudeau was speaking. They've canceled all of those now going forward, and they say they're going to restructure and bring in these corporate governance uh, consultants to help them sort of root out whatever the problem they haven't identified within their charity is. The problem is they were taking money from the government and also paying Justin Trudeau's family. That's the problem. I don't think you need to pay a high price consultant to deal with that, but I think that the kielbergers think that this is already under control. They've just said, we're canceling we, we're gonna you know, look at how we do business And that should be good enough for all of you. I think the RCMP need to get involved. That's what I think. I think the RCMP need to start tearing through uh, some of these government sole source contracts. I think they need to be asking um, these government agencies, and there's a lot of them, what exactly uh, are the fruits of the WE Charity labor for this contract that you paid them for? Um, And they need to be going through uh, the finances of the WE Charity. This, I mean... I talked earlier about Justin Trudeau paying off the media to avoid getting proper scrutiny for his scandals, but he also did something else, though, didn't he? When he first took office, he cancelled all of Prime Minister Stephen Harper's charity audits, and here we are.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if those dots uh, are going to get connected when it comes to the uh, Me to We. But, you know, Sheila, again... As I said earlier, there's so many good charities out there. There's so many charities yeah. that strive to keep their administration costs to the bare minimum. And you can look at various guides to see, you know, where you uh, how each charity stretches its buck. You would think with this kind of baggage now, is this still going to be a viable charity? I mean, who in their right mind, who isn't connected to the Liberal Party of Canada, would continue to contribute to the, the WE Charity?
1: Well, maybe they can sell off some of their expensive Toronto real estate holdings to keep the the, uh, lights on. But, I mean, this goes another, there's another level in all of this um, that just sort of wandered into my mind as you were talking. Justin Trudeau systematically attacked all the other charities in this country, or at least a great deal of them, because more often than not, charity is religion-based. And so, so many of those charities were denied access to the Canada Summer Jobs Grant to subsidize the actual charitable work that those organizations were doing because those organizations were Christian. And so they didn't want to sign the Liberal Party values when it comes to gender theory and um, and those sorts of things. So they a lot of their charity initiatives Had to close their doors and they were doing real things like feeding the hungry and clothing the poor and taking care of the homeless and giving inner city kids a chance to go to a camp outside of the city to stay in a cabin with their friends. A lot of those charities came under attack by Justin Trudeau and so naturally that made it easy for we to enrich themselves by doing all this extra charity work. And um, it, now it makes a lot of sense.
0: Absolutely. You know, that's an incredible point. And uh, everything, uh, th- by the way, you just framed it, uh, Sheila, is making sense. But in fairness, let's point out that the Kilburgers, the Trudeaus, the Morneaus, they're deeply religious as well. They just worship yeah. the almighty buck. Sheila, uh, a great... <laughs> A <laughs> great piece. <laughs> Thank you so much, and you have a wonderful weekend.
1: Thank you, David. You too.
0: You got it. And that was Sheila Gunn Reid, somewhere in northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. But not
2: everyone there was opposed to the protests or the protesters' message. Numerous vehicles passing by honked in support, as well as one pro-Trump black man who told me he was stranded in Canada during the coronavirus inspired border controls. I asked him about Black Lives Matter, Canadian media's obsession with hating Trump, the pandemic new normal, and what he thinks is behind the new societal discord. I think you're really gonna enjoy or be blown away, I'm not sure, at what he
3: has to say. Check it out.
2: Okay, so you were just walking right by the protest and you kind of just said, hey, those are my people.
3: Right, absolutely. Because I've been preaching the truth, uh, realizing that this whole COVID situation is all bullshit. um Let me mic up. Oh, sorry, I'll just <laughs> hold it. Okay. Yeah, i just been realizing that this whole COVID thing has just been all bullshit. Um Propaganda, uh, ways for them to continuously keep these borders closed. Uh, the whole lockdown just had a whole effect on our whole our whole immune system, our whole our whole health. And um, you know, they just want us sick and what perfect the perfect timing with this election coming up in November. Um Ooh. and now like I'm an American citizen. Ooh. I actually been stuck here in Canada Ooh. since this whole situation has oh, transpired. Wow. Yeah. So
2: Okay, so you're seeing both sides of everything. Right. What do you think about Canadians obsession with hating Trump? What do you think that's all about?
3: It's the propaganda. Um and I really think that I would advise people to use For me, I didn't really know too much about politics, but what I seen was there was a couple of times there was headlines saying Trump said this, Trump said this, and after thoroughly investigating and watching the video or whatever it was, whatever media or content was being promoted, and uh, I actually got to see what Trump was actually saying, it wasn't whatever the headlines were being pushed. So for me, I've never seen in America, honestly, in all my life, I've never seen, and, not, and not, to be, not to put labels on it racist, but white media attack a white man so much.
0: Gee, what a breath of fresh air and the kind of man on the street interview you would never see aired on the likes of CNN or MSNBC. After all, this particular American black man is one who questions the narrative of the mainstream media. And he's not the least bit shy when it comes to expressing support for President Trump and that person folks is essentially the democrat party's worst nightmare and joining me now to discuss this further is our newest rebel contributor drea humphrey welcome the rebel roundup drea
2: hey happy to be here
0: oh happy to have you my friend drea that was a fascinating interview you conducted with that man and the more he spoke the more i thought of that ludicrous quote by presidential wannabe Joe Biden, who told a black radio host and made that, quote, you ain't black, okay. end quote, should a black person vote for Trump rather than Biden. Uh, by the way, what are your thoughts on that, Drea?
2: Oh, you know, I want a shirt that says you ain't black, hashtag or something. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, we had a good laugh in my family about that. And it, it's just how... Honestly, I feel like it's almost racist to say that. It's like you're saying basically black people can't decide for themselves who they should vote for. It has to be just based on, you know, the the political narrative we're seeing in mainstream media and all of that stuff. So, I just thought it was hilarious and if I was an American, that would make me, you know, be even further away from voting for him. So,
0: you know, I, I think you're right, Drea. You know, it was offensive to me on two fronts. One is that if I was an American black man hearing that, it is so paternalistic. And there's this, you know, narrative you see in certain circles that is just, I find so deeply offensive if you're a black conservative or a black Republican. Uh, the the derogatory term, he's an Oreo. Black on the outside, white on the inside. The second thing, Drea, is that how dare the Democrat party take ownership of the black demographic. This is the party of slavery. This is the party of segregation. This is the party of Jim Crow laws. I mean, how do they take that moral high ground in the first place?
2: When it comes to systemic racism, if there ever was an organization that encompasses that, it would be the Democratic party. So yeah, I don't know how that's happening. And Biden's comment, he also said, ain't, he used the word ain't. So yeah, don't even get me started on that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I I see where you're going. It was kind of like I remember, um, I think two campaigns ago where uh, Hillary Clinton was doing uh, various promotional videos and depending where she was, if it was in the south or the midwest, you know, she'd use a midwest drawl or a southern twang and it was like, oh my goodness, it's kind of like, you know, the Bob Hope line, when you're in New York, give them the Big Apple stuff, when you're in Chicago give them the Windy City stuff and uh, uh, I mean it, it's laughable, but but moving on from that, that, that individual you met um, I also like the idea of him not buying what the mainstream media is delivering one of his quotes was uh, do your own uh, research be informed Um, and and I couldn't help but think how right he was because here in Canada regardless of race if I um, totally and exclusively got my news from the CBC I'd be a world-class ignoramus by now so I thought that was really uh, good that this person could see behind the curtain and notice the media spin that is being uh, disseminated by the mainstream media in the United States.
2: Well, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, to put things in perspective, the first black person I come across is an American who doesn't align with what we're being told constantly every day from mainstream media. So, what are the odds of that? That means there's a lot more. There's a lot more to be seen. And I think he was very brave for coming forward and saying it with such passion. But a lot of us are just the silent majority. And the message of doing your own research and, and, you know, not just reading a headline and pressing share and stuff like that. It's a huge message that, you know, even in my own personal life, I've been trying to share with people too. It's so important.
0: Yeah, and you know, Drea, I also liked his honesty and his courage for calling out the Black Lives Matter movement. We know, I mean, of course, Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. But we know as an organization, this is a group with ties to Marxist organizations, uh, anarchists, uh, and so on, uh, Antifa even. And, you know, it's funny, Drea, when I cover some of these protests here in Toronto, one of the trendy signs you see by the demonstrators is silence is violence or it's modified to say white silence is violence. Meaning that if you don't speak out about the injustice, then you are one of the problems uh, bringing about the injustice. Yet the funny thing is, my friend, it, it's not that they want you to opine on the whole Black Lives Matter uh, situation if it's off script. Like he said... If you look in chicago the number of young black men who are dying at the hands of other young black men it's off the charts compared to the number of black men being killed by white members of law enforcement so it's kind of like silence is violence but when you break your silence you better damn well be on point or else we'll shut you down too because they're not interested in free speech either are they
2: well you know If you just go try something, if you try to Google statistics on, uh, you know, how many black Americans are dying from police versus from other black Americans, good luck. You're going to have to go down to, I don't know how many pages, because it's going to be so filled with George Floyd. And the internet has just been flooded. It took me a very long time to come across actual statistics, and, and what I saw was got a plane going by but um last year i believe it was nine unarmed black americans were shot by a police officer and there's different circumstances within that as to why and uh, you know obviously those need to be investigated and if they were unlawful they the officer needs to be prosecuted but you would think uh from all the headlines and all the stories and the the global reaction that it's like you go outside and you're black and you get shot by a cop like every single day.
0: Indeed, the numbers aren't there and the solution is preposterous. Uh, Exit question, Drea, one of the common things that Black Lives Matter campaigns for now is defund or even abolish the police. Tell me, how does that help the plight of... a a law-abiding black family, or any family for that matter, the idea that there's no cops to go to when the bullies and the thugs of the world are exerting force on you.
2: You know, I don't know about you, but I feel much safer being able to call 911 when something goes down. So uh, I think that it is absurd, really. And I've actually had some officers reach out to me and, you know, they, they have really good ideas On how you could actually prevent police brutality so they don't want it either for the most part and they're being left out of the movement completely the frontline officers who are able to say this is where we need help this is why this is happening they're they're being shut out of the movement and they had great ideas like um, you know not completely defunding but maybe transferring some of the funds from traffic violations over to other departments that use them more, like cold cases. And so that's kind of a theme that I'm seeing. And then the other theme that I'm seeing is if we actually are trying to prevent police brutality from what I'm getting from them is that we would actually need more funding. We would need more training, especially, which is one of the most expensive things that they have going or that they would need. So it makes no sense to me. And the more that I look into it, the more that I feel like yeah, you know, we're going in the complete opposite direction, and I don't know what the alternative is to losing a vast amount of police officers from cutbacks.
0: Indeed, Rhea well said. And I, and I think that, I- if anything, this shows the ideological roots of Black Lives Matter in terms of being Marxist, in terms of being anarchist. They're all about tearing things down. They're not about Mm -hmm. contributing to any kind of concrete solution to make black lives or anyone else's life uh, better and safer. So excellent interview on the street, Uh, Drea. I look forward to, I'm sure our audience does, to more of your videos. And thank you so much for joining me here today.
2: Thanks, everybody. Ciao.
0: (laughs) You got it. And that was Drea Humphrey in Vancouver. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Ah, your tax dollars hard at work yet again, folks. You see, I'm here standing outside the office of the Public Service Alliance of Canada, and last night they had a seminar for the rank-and-file. Well, not really the entire rank-and-file, the Caucasian rank-and-file. You see, the seminar was entitled An Introduction to Anti-Racism for White Folks, A Conversation Between Paige Gallet and Nora Loretto. Now, first of all, let's dissect that, shall we? The fact that it was focused on white people, is this union saying that only white people are able to commit racism, only white people are racist? Or in the future, will there be seminars directed towards black people and brown people and Asian people? I highly doubt that. Um, The second thing is, if Nora Loretto's name rings a bell, it bloody well should. If you can imagine it, folks, Nora Loretto is the hateful and spiteful woman who weighed in on the Humboldt Broncos tragedy, a tragedy that indeed shook an entire nation. But Loretto's tweet was almost as shocking, quote... I'm trying to not get cynical about what is a totally devastating tragedy, but the maleness, the youthfulness, and the whiteness of the victims are, of course, playing a significant role. So in other words, folks, what Nora Loretto is saying is that if the occupants of that doomed bus had been oh, I don't know, predominantly female, if they had been predominantly diverse as opposed to white, if they had been predominantly older rather than younger, then Canadians wouldn't have reacted the way they did. In other words, by donating millions of dollars to a GoFundMe campaign so that the disabled survivors could get on with their lives. It was an absolutely shockingly sexist, racist, and even ageist thing to say on the behalf of Nora Loretto. Oh, and when people justifiably reacted with outrage over Loretto's gross tweet, what did she do? Well, she curled up in the fetal position on the couch, weeped, and cast herself as a victim of the outrage that she was receiving. So, Nora can dish it out, but she sure as heck can't take it. Yeah, and this is the person that the Public Service Alliance of Canada thought was the best candidate to lecture the white rank-and-file about the evils inherent to racism. Indeed, how odd, instead of being cancelled by our increasingly ravenous cancel culture, Nora Loretto is still being embraced in certain circles. She remains gainfully employed as the editor of something called the Canadian Association of Labour Media. And now this racist is receiving speaking gigs? Including that gig on Tuesday in which she lectured Caucasian members of the PSAC re the evils of racism? Wow, isn't that kind of like hiring Colonel Sanders to give a speech on veganism? in any event here's what you had to say about this bigot getting a speaking gig paid for by (laughs) your tax dollars bob ross writes she's assuming only whites are racist lmao good one yes apparently that is the assumption being made by loretto as well as the people who head up the psac only caucasians are capable of racism funny that because you know, when you make such a broad-based assumption based on race alone, you know you know what that makes you? It makes you a racist. <laughs> Tony Stark writes, Why are our tax dollars paying for CBC and other liberal and far-left-leaning businesses unreal? I work 11 to 12 hours a day as a truck driver, and my hard-earned money is going to this crap. Indeed it is, Tony, and even worse, you have no say in the matter. You know, here at Rebel, we run fundraising campaigns from time to time, but it's completely voluntary if you want to contribute. As for leftist organizations, (laughs) they just make a direct withdrawal right out of your bank account, whether it's propping up failing media outlets or public sector unions staging anti-racism seminars conducted by a racist. Gord Chan writes... And you ask, how did we get here? Never thought it could get this bad in your own country? Well, you are not in, the, in Kansas anymore, and it is not the 1980s. It will be a rough ride if Miss Loretto and her kind set the agenda. Make your voice known and count in the public discourse of this nation, because it also belongs to you. Do not be excluded. Wow, do I miss the 80s, folks. Things were a whole lot less insane back then, and the music was sure better. But I agree with your premise, Mr. Chan. The thing is, one of the problems in Canada these days is that too many people are simply not engaged in terms of what's going on. And when there is a critical mass of non-engagement, this only allows certain people and certain organizations to get away with all kinds of chicanery. Gary Kerr writes, You do realize that the PSAC is not funded by our tax dollars, don't you? Uh, Gary, sorry, but the PSAC rank and file are employed in the government-run public sector. That means their salaries are paid for via tax dollars. Thus, those union dues paid to the PSAC by its members are only made possible thanks to those tax dollars. So yeah, Gary, the PSAC is indeed funded by the taxpayer. And I'm feeling totally ripped off right now, quite frankly, when the social justice warriors running the PSAC think it's a good idea to hire the likes of of Nora Loretto. And Al M writes, Finally, actual hate speech and crickets. Hey, you're right, Al M. I did a Google News search yesterday, and guess what? Rebel News was the only outlet... To report on this story so apparently if someone like nora loretto is full of hatred to young white males i guess that's the kind of hatred that goes ignored by the media party or perhaps it's even silently approved isn't that special well that wraps up another edition of rebel roundup thanks so much for joining us see you next week and hey folks never forget without risk there can be no glory good night